Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will use this city as a tool of witness in the lives of those who are struggling to live godly for you. I pray that it will bring deliverance and set the captive free. Lord, as it goes beyond the prison walls, the highway and byways, that it will compel those to come unto you. Lord, those that are struggling, that they'll begin to live victoriously. And Lord, when that race is over and it is all finished, Lord, they can come unto you and you will say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. In the book of Jonah, the first chapter, in the first three verses, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Methai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. Wait a minute. That's opposite of what God said. How many of us find ourselves sometimes doing just the opposite of what God said? So he's rising up and he's going to Tarshish to flee from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of of the Lord. In the book of 1 Samuel, the 10th chapter, number 20 through verse number 22. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, and the families of Metri was taken, and Saul the son of Kish was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. Psalms 139, verse number seven. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Eternal God, we are so thankful and grateful to you for this gathering on today. Now, surely, Lord, there's someone that's here today that needs a word from you. Their life is in turmoil, and they need, Lord, clarity, and they need direction. Now, Lord, today, help me, Lord, to be found, God, in simplicity, giving a word of understanding that, Lord, somebody could make their way out of a life of sin into the light, the marvelous light that you have for them. 
Lord, now let me, thy servant, be found, Lord, decreasing as we watch you increase. And please, Lord, lend me your anointing because it's through your anointing that every yoke and fetter will be destroyed. And when lives are changed, people, Lord, are saved, sanctified, and filled with your Holy Ghost and living a victorious life. We'll remember to give you the glory, the honor, and all of the praise. Let everyone say in Jesus' name. Jonah was very masterful in his attempt. But listen to what it said, the third verse. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I want to minister to you from the thought, you can run, but you can't hide from God. The word hide is to put or to keep out of sight. It's to conceal from the view or notice of others. And then when I looked at the word seek, it's the attempt to find something or someone, their location or whereabouts. But I'll explain what hide and seek was. It's a game in which the players attempt to hide or to conceal their whereabouts while others try to look for and to find the players that are hiding. And of course, the one whose hiding place can't be found, they're the winners. Somebody say, they're the winners. (laughs) Well, there's some people who have that same mentality when it comes to God's call in their life. Let's be clear. It could be, or it may be, or it may not be the call to preach. It could be a call to come out from a lifestyle of sin that you're involved in at the very present. Or perhaps there's a plethora of other things that's going on. And just for the record, you can't win this game. So let's go back for a moment and look at the life of Jonah who attempted to try to run and hide from the presence of God. Now, the Bible says, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Mm-hmm. Let's stop here a minute and, and find out why wouldn't Jonah want to be obedient to the word of God? Why wouldn't he at the first go where God had told him to go? I think it behooves me to, to share with you the kind of place he was instructed to go to because he, God gave him detailed instructions it was to go to Nineveh and your assignment is not to make friends with them but your assignment is to tell them that they're living in sin and there's consequences for it but for some reason Jonah did the opposite and as I looked at it let's look at what Nineveh was Nineveh was at this time the metropolis of the Assyrian Minarchy. 
it was a city, a great city, a great city, that great city, 48 miles encompassed, great in number of the inhabitants or the population, great in wealth, great in power and dominion. It was the city that for some time ruled over kings of the earth, but great cities as well as great men are under God's government and judgment. Hear me and hear me clearly. I don't care how big you are, you are under the authority of God. You will have to one day bow down. The Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So I'll say to you today, you can bend them now or you can bend them later. But every great city and every great man comes under God's government and judgment. Nineveh was a great city and yet a heathen city without the knowledge of God. How many great cities and great nations are there that sit in the valley of the shadow of death? This great city was a wicked city. What kind of city was it? It was a wicked city and their wickedness has come up before me. God saying in essence it has come up to a high degree, to the highest peak, if you please. It's the measurement of it is so full that it's to the brim and overflowing. Their wickedness has come up as that of Sodom. And you read your Bible in Genesis 18, 20 and 21. It has come up before me to my face against me and in my sight. That's why Jonah had to go there and cry loud and spare not. But when we go back to the text, we find that Jonah did just the opposite. And perhaps that's the reason. It says, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish to the presence, from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa. I want you to notice in this text, after you move from the will of God, you go down. He went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and he went down unto it. And to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And, and for most of you Bible scholars, you know the rest of the story. Like Paul Harvey says, and for the rest of the story, what now happens to him is a matter that I want everybody to think about. Your life affects other people. When God has in particularly a call on your life and you don't answer it and you run from it and you're hiding, and we'll talk about it later on in the stuff, you affect all of those that are around you. When you backslide, it's not just you that you take out. You take others with you. If you follow the text, now what happens is a great storm begins to arise. And as the storm is rising, the men of the ship were concerned and everybody began to cry out to their God. But don't forget, he went down in the ship. I don't know, but God perhaps said, you know what? I'm going to knock you out while you're down here. I'm going to make sure you sound asleep while all of the commotion is going on. Because after a while, they said, where's that guy that, that came aboard and paid his fare? Everybody's calling on their guy, but what about him? And they walk down there, and there he is calling them in. They said, hey, 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 get up. What are you doing? You don't understand what's about to happen. 
He gets up, wipes that coal out of it. I know what's going on. The ship is about to go down. You need to be calling when you're... Then they go and they ask him some questions. First of all, who are you? See, even when you backslide and you try to blend in with people, <laughs> you don't really fit in anymore. <laughs> You're like Peter. You know how Peter was when he denied Christ three times. And the third time he started cursing. And as soon as he opened his mouth, start cursing. They said, well, you one of them. Can't even put your curse words together no more. <laughs> so he says, he says, who are you? Then he says, who's your people? Who's your God? And he give him, give him the breakdown. He said, first of all, I'm a Hebrew. I serve the one and only God. And... and be truthful, I'm running from them. And they said, listen, modern day vernacular, you put us in a bind. What can we do to get out of it? He says, take me, toss me overboard into the sea. And I guess they said, after he told us who he served, we gonna throw, oh no, and they happening like that, you're not gonna bring the wrath of God on me. He said, no, that's what you have to do to get out of this. The Bible said that they went to row even harder, trying to get out of the storm. And God said, mm-mm. He made this, the waters even more turbulent. Now the water is turbulent. And basically they said, Lord, please forgive us for what we're about to do to your servant. And they threw him overboard. But the Bible said he prepared a great fish. In the New Testament, we talked about a whale. I said all that to say, you see how your life affects other people? Maybe unbeknownst to you, Somebody was watching your life. I thank God I came in the tail end of Ladies Haynes uh, teaching on Sunday school this morning. But the life of the testator, you don't know how valuable it is. But it's only when it dies out. <laughs> thank, thank you, Jesus. When it dies out to self, when it dies out to sin, that, sir, ma'am, is when your testimony is affected. How is it that people can go to church year after year, month after month, week after week, and there be no change in their life. They still do all the things that they normally do. Well then, question, what has he saved you from? If you can still fornicate, you can still drink, smoke, curse, and just live a life of a hellion. How are you now saved? How are you now kept by the power of God? Because you're not demonstrating that. What they see is somebody that's talking loud and saying nothing. I said this more than one occasion, but it's worth reiterating. People are tired of hearing a sermon. They want to see one lived out. They want to see one demonstrated. My, my, my brother, Tim Terry, uses this phrase, flesh it out. Put some flesh on it and walk. Walk the walk and talk the talk. You continue to follow. God prepared this great fish for him. He spent three days and Three nights in the bell's well, and in the belly of the well. And he talked about the conditions that was in there. He said, I had seaweed wrapped all around my head. The waters were coming up where I could barely. But I called on God. <laughs> Isn't it something? Even in the midst of our trouble, we understand that we can call on him and he'll hear us. He'll hear our humble cry. While on others that were calling, don't pass me by because I need you. And it says that God told that fish, spit them up. Not just spit them up, but spit them up on dry land. Can you, can you, thank you, Jesus. Can you imagine being in his belly? And then all of a sudden, he brings you up and puts you on dry ground. Now, the Bible said, and, and I'm moving from this. 
Now the word of the Lord came to him again. <laughs> How many of you know he did just what the Lord told him? But you need to read the account because there's some more to it. But the point I wanted to make is you can run, but you can't hide from God. I know that he went through all of that. And just in case you're that one that sitting here and you still need more proof that your attempts of hiding is fruitless. Here's another witness whose life testifies of the fact that you can't hide from God. I invite your attention back to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, the 10th chapter. Here is the children of Israel. They have rejected God. They have said to the prophet Samuel, we want to be like every other nation. We're tired of a God that we cannot see. We want a king. Give us a king. Give us a king. And Samuel said, after all God did for you, how he brought you up out of Egypt, let you walk across the Red Sea on dry ground, and you said you don't want him anymore? He said, no, we want a king. And so this is where it opens up. He has them bring all the tribes before him. He said, so you want a king? Bring your tribes. And all of the tribes come. But then the tribe of Benjamin comes. And as the tribe of Benjamin comes, God looks and he sees Saul. He says, that's the one. And then all of a sudden, they said, Lord, if he's the one, where is he? The Lord said, he's over there hiding in the stuff. The stuff. Don't forget they were nomads for years. So they had wagons and they had baggage. And that's what the stuff is. Thank you, Jesus. It's the baggage that they brought with them. The Bible said that he was head and shoulders over all of them. In other words, he was a man of tall stature. So either one or two things, he had to be crouching mighty low or the baggage, the stuff was so high they couldn't see him. So he went and he hid in the stuff. See, some of you said, I got some baggage. There's no way God could use me after all that I've done and all the things that I've said and all the ways I've acted. Listen. The baggage, the stuff, is what God will use if you allow him. All he wants you to do is unpack it. All he wants you to do is that you can't carry this where, you're, where I'm taking you. So there, he's in the stuff. But watch this. God's GPS system is great. <laughs> they said, well, where is he? He said, he's over there in the stuff. Go get him. They get him. And like I said, the scripture says this. He's head and shoulders over everybody else. And the Lord says, Israel, your king, king, your subjects. And they said, long live the king. But we, we try to run and we try to hide from God's presence, his call, his will for our life. So perhaps you're, you're not aware of the fact that God always finds that individual who's trying to hide, slide, slip and dodge from God's calling. If you're that person, I don't know, I'm just saying, if you're that person, allow me to give you the 411 on God, the God, the mighty God, because sooner or later, you're going to get the revelation. You can run, but you can't hide from God. <laughs> and you're going to get the revelation that no matter where you are, that the spotlight of God's love can penetrate wherever you may be attempting to hide.
Didn't the scriptures emphatically declare that darkness and light are both the same to the Lord? Okay. David, he came or drew this conclusion. Whether shall I go from thy spirit or whether shall I flee from thy presence? Somebody said that sounds like a question. Because it is. He's pondering, where, where can I escape? Then he says, if I ascend up unto heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. Behold, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely, surely darkness shall cover me. You know, we do a lot of things under the cover darkness. We go in the corner, in the back, in the dark. And we say, nobody sees. Newsflash, darkness is as light. I have done this before. I'm not going to do it today. I have the ushers flip out the lights. Some of you that are spooky people, you're like, ooh, sorry, I'm going to do that. But I, I have them flick out the lights and cut them back on. And it doesn't matter. God sees you when they cut off the light and when he cuts back on, or when we cut back on the light. Darkness is just like light. And David, he's, he's kind of getting the, the understanding that no, no matter what I do, even the darkness shall be light before me. Yea, darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Wow. I'm telling you, there's no hole deep enough. There's no cave dark enough. There's no place far enough that you can flee from the presence of God. You just can't get away from him. You can't flee the presence of God. Stop. Because his pursuit and his persistency to get you back, he then says, you know what? What you're going to make me do is sick my hounds of heaven on you. <laughs> He's got two of them, mercy and grace. Because see, mercy and goodness in this case, these two hounds, they are relentless. Now, wherever I go, no matter where I go, goodness and mercy are going to pursue me. They're going to be relentless. So, so we get to the place where he says, okay, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to be persistent, and I'm literally going to sick these two hounds of heaven on you. So again, if you allow me to use my imagination just to illustrate the point that God always gets his man or woman. And one of the reasons, because they were the mounted police, they had horses that were strong and, and could go anywhere and pursue. And then they had these bloodhounds. And, and usually when they have the bloodhounds, what they do is they take a piece of your remnant, and they put it in the nose of that hound. And then they say, go get him, boy. And, and you know, you, you, I used to watch movies. Richard Chamberlain, you know, he was the fugitive. And no matter where he went, when they sick the dogs on him, he would run in the water to try to get the trail. Wherever he went, they still pursued him. And I'm simply saying to you, allowing me to use my imagination here, God is going to unleash He's going to sick these hounds of heaven upon you. And they're going to always get their man or woman. You see, once that scent of the soul is in the nostrils of God's hounds of heaven, it's no calling them back. 
It's not saying, oh, that, that's okay. Don't get. No, 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 no. They're on a mission. They're on a mission to bring that soul back to the God from whom they originated from. You see, my brothers and sisters, guests and visitors, one of those hounds is called goodness. Everybody say goodness. Goodness. It, it's the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance. Think about it. Think, think just for a moment. Think about all of the time God has been good to us. Somebody said, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and, and all that he's done for me, my soul begins to cry out, hallelujah. So you ought to think every now and then about how good he's been to you. Because when you think about it, and we know we didn't deserve it, you know we did not deserve his goodness toward us. That, my friend is what's going to bring us over to the Lord's side. And the name of the other hound, you got it, mercy. It was God's mercy that we did not end up like so many of those that we ran with. Come on, you could tell a tale. You could tell it. Nobody can tell it like you can. I say it often, but some of us, it wasn't always what you see now. <laughs> we went in some places. We was in some situations where bullets was flying and it was one way in and one way out. We've been in some situations where we were running with folk. They got killed. And here we are. To, oh, thank you, Jesus. I, I, I don't know about you, but I come from Philadelphia. When I was a young man, I went to more funerals than I ever have as an adult. Barring the fact now I'm a pastor and I have to perform funerals. But I have been in those places. But God's mercy. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He kept me. Oh, yes, he did. It was God's mercy that would not let me end up like those. Because I was out there doing what they was doing. Doing any and everything that I thought I was big and bad enough to do. Oh, y'all look like y'all don't want to tell your story. But you know that's where we were. Now, he protected us. He shielded us. And those things did not happen unto us. What our actions actually demanded, though, was judgment. But instead, he gave us mercy. When they came and said, nope, it's time for him to be judged. He said, uh-uh. I'm extending to him mercy. See, his, nurse, his mercies, they're new every morning. See, you, listen, if you keep pulling stuff out of your bank account, after a while, they'll give you a zero balance. You have nothing left. But watch God's economy. Mercies are new every morning. I didn't put anything in there. I, I didn't deposit. I didn't, I didn't, no, 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 no. And I made several withdrawals. But the mercies of God are new every morning. So we see, we see that God's mercy is not deserved by us. Judgment should have been what we receive. But instead, he said no. I'm extending my mercies. Now, let me ask the question. Aren't you glad that God was merciful? Aren't you glad that God showed you mercy in spite of the things that you've done in the past? Somebody say, that was my past. And this is my future. <laughs> I've got to help somebody. Because, see, you're you too busy living in the past. You, you got a tent in the past. 
when he's got a mansion in the future for you. You'll, ne You'll never receive that mansion as long as you keep living and looking back in the past. See, this is what it does. If I have this in front of my face, I can't see nothing. This is my past. I constantly have my past before me. But God's mercy snatches it away. It says, now look. Look what I have in store for you. I don't know about you, but I'm elated that he did that for me. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. God's mercies are new every morning and great is his faithfulness toward the children of man. Right about here, I need some audience participate. Somebody ought to shout, thank God for goodness and mercy. Thank you, Father. I gotta give you thanks. Because, Lord, everything that you have done, I didn't look at it now. I thank you, Lord, for the release of every chain. Everywhere I go, God, I gotta give you praise because you have heard my cry. We have been smothered by the grace of God and it has brought us joy. Therefore, Lord, we was able to make a joyful noise in this city. We have learned to forgive and with that in mind, God, I just can't stop praising you. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen.